Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and we come at you this and, well, every Saturday at this time. And and uh, some of you this morning, some of you it's afternoon, but either way, we're good to have this conversation. Increasing number of you actually uh, do this, listen via uh, podcast. So you can do that. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast because in doing so, you can listen anytime you want and you never miss an episode here of Ed Stetzer Live. And also, too, let me mention that you can then do that with lots of other Moody Radio shows as well. The Moody Radio app is all kinds of stuff that's there as well. So so this actually is a pre-recorded episode. I was, I'm not available to do the live show today, and so I was able to reach out to a friend and say, let's do a show together, and I think you're going to be really blessed about God's faithfulness, about about how God is faithful in the midst of, well, some difficult times, maybe when even hope feels lost. So my guest today, his name is Robert J. Morgan. He's the teaching pastor of the Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, he served uh, there for over, we served over 40 years. He's a best-selling author, gold illuminations and gold medallion winning, winning writer, none of which I have won, just for the record, uh, with more than 35 books in book in print, 35 books in print, I can't speak today, and about 5 million copies in circulation in multiple language. My guess is many of you have read and heard of Robert Morgan as well, been on lots of different television and radio shows. And well, we're super thankful to bring him today to you on Ed Stetcher Live. Robert, thanks for coming on the program with us. You are so welcome, Ed. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, me too, me too. So you have written, uh, well, you've written lots of books, but the one we're going to talk about today and kind of zero in on today is Great is Thy Faithfulness, 52 Reasons to Trust God When Hope Feels Lost. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, Robert, maybe, maybe you haven't had any struggles in the last few years, but it seems that for a whole lot of the rest of us, the world's been, been on fire. It's been challenging times. So let's talk a little bit about what's the world going through right now? What are the greatest danger? Why does it feel like things are falling apart? When Why aren't you more worried? Give us a little background on that. There is an increasing uh, desperation to our world. I think that everybody recognizes that. You know that from your surveys, and we all know it from our reading. Jesus said something interesting. He said that as we get closer to his return, that these signs would be like a woman's contractions when she's going to have a baby, like birth pains. And um, my wife, Katrina, who's in heaven now, we had three children. And I remember those uh, contractions and how they sped up, you know. And I feel like that most people have this sense that things are accelerating between pandemics and wars and rumors of wars, what we see happening on the television, and then the personal stress that we're all under. it's been very, very difficult for people. People are reeling from what is happening globally and nationally and culturally and personally. Um, in my own uh, personal life, it's been that way. Um, you know, my wife, Katrina, had multiple, multiple sclerosis and, and we battled that for many years. And then she went to heaven uh, and I've had to, to sort of reorient my whole life uh, and then in the middle of that came COVID. And now after that, you know, we have a, a world that uh, not only is warfare affecting us, but all of the consequences of this kind of destabilization. So, so if we just look around us right now, or even if we just look within us, it can be pretty bleak. Uh, but I don't feel bleak at all. I don't think I've ever been more optimistic. And that truly mm. comes out of my daily walk with the Lord and prayer and Bible study, my daily quiet time, and this whole aspect of God's faithfulness. 
Well, so we're going to talk specifically about great is thy faithfulness. And I, and, and of course, you know, for many people to hear the title and that's, that's the title of the book, but that's the title of a song that has been, I mean, I've wept during great is thy faithfulness. I'm sure many of our listeners have as well, because in the midst of some of the hardest times, that's when we sing that out. I want to get to that in just a minute, but you know, I mean, people look at the headlines and they have grave concern for their families, for their future. Imagine if you're, you're in Ukraine, you're in, uh, you know, you're in wherever. I mean, it's like, this has been two years to change, or multiple years to change the world. So what keeps you from staying awake at night worrying about those things? I just have a, a robust relationship with the Lord that I've cultivated uh, over the years, Ed. And it started when I was 19 years old, and I was challenged in college. Uh, I was a sophomore to give my life fully to the Lord in every way. And then I had mentors who taught me how to have a daily morning devotional time uh, to do Bible study and prayer every morning. Um, I had mentors at my college and then Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, who you knew, uh, she stepped into my life and showed me how to, to do a daily Bible study every day. She used a wide margin Bible. She actually also used cigarette paper because she said mm -hmm. that uh, she could take those cigarette papers and dab her finger to her tongue and get a little moisture and it would stick to her, the pages of her Bible to give her more room on the margins to write. <laughs> wow. She was I a, didn't know this. She, she was a, a, a very uh, wonderful model for me. Uh, and, and at the same time, my wife, who I hadn't met yet, was being mentored in the same way in Florida by a lady. So we were both trained every morning without fail to get up and get a cup of coffee and go to our desk and open our Bibles and say, Lord, uh, what do you have for me today? And we began reading where we left off the day before. We have uh, a time in prayer. Now, we did this individually. We didn't do it together. But at night, Katrina and I prayed together. But in the mornings, uh, you know, we went into our, our, like Jesus said, we went into that room and closed the door and prayed to our Father who is in secret. And I will have to tell you that everything in my life that has been healthy and good, both in terms of my emotions and, and in terms of whatever ministry I've had, has flowed out of that. You've got to have a reservoir and you can't continue uh, producing um, good attitudes or, or good material if you're, uh, if you're a pastor or a teacher like I am without having uh, doing it from the overflow. So, uh, that, that's a long answer to your question, but that, it, that habit is what keeps me going all day and what keeps me from staying awake at night. Hmm. So, you know, I think someone might be listening, driving in their car, working in their garage, listening via podcast later and say, well, you know, is this, is this, is, is Robert Morgan telling me that just having a time alone with the Lord is all that I need through this? Is he telling me this is a key part of it? I mean, how do we think about I mean, because you're right right now, you know, things are going okay in, in Nashville and Donaldson, and maybe they're going okay in, in Wheaton where I live, but there's a lot of places where the world's like really on fire. So how does how does that how does God's faithfulness and us engaging in that kind of spiritual discipline, how do they relate in really, really hard times and places? Well, one of the very helpful habits is uh scripture memory. So when I'm going over a passage, like uh right now I'm going through the book of Isaiah for my devotions. 
And I come to that wonderful verse that says, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And, and even today, as I read that, I remembered something that Martin Lloyd-Jones said, that if you ever look back at anything in your life with regret, you do not fully understand the power of the blood of Christ. And those thoughts help start my day correctly. Now, when I go on into the day, you know, you have to continue to practice the presence of God. And when you take a verse like Isaiah 1, 18, and you commit it to memory, um, then it's with you all day long. And at night, when I go to bed, I try to go to bed meditating on verses. And at very difficult moments in my life, when I was in the intensive care uh, unit with my wife, or when some loved one was in crisis. And, and you know, the thing is, I am very prone to panic attacks uh, and to fear. Uh, but, but at those moments, it's the ability to recall scripture uh, that helps me. And I would, um, well, I'll say bet that in Ukraine <laughs> right now, in the most difficult places, there are Christians who are being sustained and strengthened because of scripture verses, specific scripture verses that they have stored away in their mind over the course of their lives. And um, this is the hidden secret of resilience, Ed. I don't know of any other hidden secret except the Holy Spirit taking scripture that we have in our hearts, coming out of our regular walk with the Lord and giving us strength for day and for night, good or bad. Yeah, no, no question that. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I think that part of the challenge is, is if you came into the last few years already low, on a, your tank, of, your spiritual tank low without resilience, man, you quickly found out that you ran out of what you needed to make it through. And I think a lot of people did. I think a lot of people, you know, it was just too much, too, too long. And and your reminder of God's faithfulness and to engage in that, I think, is really essential for us. A lot of the book deals with um, God's faithfulness, obviously, God's promises. How do we think about, you know, we talk about people claiming God's promises for our, their selves, themselves, ourselves. How do we think about God's promises? How do we find them? How do we think about them? How do we apply them? Help us with that. It really helps to um, have an open Bible on your desk and when, mm -hmm. or, or by, your, by your chair. Just keep an open Bible there. Whenever I face a crisis, and we never know when we will, uh, any moment the phone may call, uh, the phone may ring, and, and it may be bad news or something that would throw us into. But whenever that has happened to me, I just start reading where my Bible is open, you know, where I left it the day before or that morning. And I say, Lord, I need a word from you. I am panicked. Uh, I'm having a, a, I'm hyperventilating. Uh, my nerves have, have completely uh, been electrified here. I'm on the verge of, of despair or depression. I just need some scripture. And I just begin reading. And I say, Lord, where is that verse that I need? And in 50 years, God has never failed to lead me to that verse. Now, it may be the other day I was in that kind of state and I read several chapters and it just wasn't there. So I just said, Lord, maybe it's in the Psalms. And uh, I started reading in uh, the Psalms, and I read about five chapters, and all of a sudden, there was that verse, God daily bears our burdens, and cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. And I just circle that, 
And I said, Lord, I'm going to hang on to that. Uh, I don't know, Ed, if you water ski, but you know, <laughs> if you're thrashing around in the water, you can't get up on those skis without an external power. But if that boat is strong and the engine is strong in front of you and there's a rope and you can grip that rope, then it is the power of that boat that will pull you up and allow you sort of like Peter to walk on water. And we have to grab the promises of God and hold on like that and he'll pull us up. Yeah, I love that. So helpful. And again, part of our conversation today is around Great Is Thy Faithfulness. It's, it's a new book uh, by Robert Morgan. We're going to continue our conversation uh, with him in just a moment. We're not, this is not a live episode, so we're not taking your calls, but still great content. You want to continue to listen in. So stay with us as we talk more about Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com. Hey, we're back. Um, Ed Stetzer live. This is a pre-recorded episode. I'm not able to be live in the program today, so I have the privilege of having Robert Morgan. He's the teaching pastor of the Donaldson Fellowship in uh, Nashville, where he served for over 40 years. I, I served a couple of churches in Nashville uh, when I was there as, as interim um, and one as pastor, and I served there for about 10 years at, at Lifeway. And the Donaldson Fellowship was just always so well-regarded, Robert Morgan, well-known and appreciated in our community. So I'm so glad to bring him to you here on Ed Stetzer Live. Uh, we're talking about Great Is Thy Faithfulness, the the book. I mean, that we all think of the song, but Great Is Thy Faithfulness, 52 Reasons to Trust God When Hope Feels Lost. I'm going to ask a song question in a few minutes, but I want to also just continue to walk through questions about God's promises. What are some of your favorite Bible promises, Robert? Well, you know, the ultimate promise, I think, in the Bible is Romans 8, 28. For all things, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I've written a book on that. God works everything together for your good. I, I call that the ultimate promise in the Bible, uh, Ed, because it comes as the climax of the greatest theological presentation of what Jesus did for us with our justification and all of the Bible. When you begin reading through the book of Romans, there is a progression there. As the Apostle Paul tells us that we are in a very fallen, hopeless world, uh, he explains that Jesus came and died and rose again, and that we are have atonement uh, through his blood. He explains that Abraham is the great example. He goes on to tell us of all of the abundance that we have, having been justified by grace and through faith. He explains the whole process of sanctification. He comes to that climactic chapter eight, and he tells us, you know, here is, is, uh, is all the things the Holy Spirit does to bring you to glory. And then at the end of it, he just sort of clinches his whole theological discussion that begins back in chapter one, uh, verse 19, and goes all the way through chapter eight. And it reaches this pinnacle 
So we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. And then he sort of falls back and he says, now I don't have anything else to say. What more shall I say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And he goes into that wonderful doxology that he closes out the section with. But the placement of Romans 8.28 as the climactic capstone of his argument of justification. Um, well, that reminds me of how important it is. And I used to think that I could wear that verse out. I thought, mm. oh, no, I'm going back to Romans 8.28. And then I realized it cannot be worn out. It has no expiration date. It's good for any number of an infinite number of occasions. So I go very often to Romans uh, 8.28. Now, in Joshua chapter 1, there's another wonderful set of verses at the end of Deuteronomy and the beginning of Joshua. For example, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that was made to Joshua. But when you go to Romans, uh, to Hebrews chapter 13, the writer there says, remember what the Lord has said to you. And then he quotes that verse, making it applicable to every child of God. And literally in the Greek, it's never, never will I leave you. Never, never, never will I forsake you. And um, the great hymn, How Firm a Foundation, was written by somebody who knew Greek because he actually wove that structure um, into, uh, into the stanza that highlights that verse. So those are two verses um, that I love. Now, a commandment. Uh, that goes along with that is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And this goes back to the ski rope illustration. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So these are yeah, some, it. you know, these are some of my favorite texts um, that I go to over and over again. Yeah, no, I love it. I love just walking through those. I remember, you know, when I, I think maybe I was graduating high school and someone gave me, um, graduating high school a long time ago, Robert, and someone gave me one of those uh, Bible promises, list of Bible promises. And man, I just tell you that that God's goodness has just been revealed um, throughout all of Scripture, but those promises became very, very real. Now, you mentioned hymns in there, so let's talk about the hymn that people may think of when they hear the title of the book. Again, to remind everyone, the title of the book is Great is Thy Faithfulness, right? And this is uh, Robert Morgan's book. Um, but talk to us a little bit about that hymn for just a moment. Why do so many people love it? Why does it resonate with so many people? Yeah, well, let me back up and just say a word about hymns overall, Ed. Okay. Uh, I've, I've written three books on the stories behind hymns called Then Sings My Soul. They've sold over a million copies, and they tell the story behind the hymns. And I'm a great advocate that churches should not lose hymnody. Uh, this shouldn't be the first generation that throws out all of the hymns that have come before us and all of the sacred music that have been written in the generations past. Uh, no other generation has uh, disposed of everything that came before it. So I love uh, my church has modern music. We have a lot of contemporary Christian songs, but we also keep these hymns alive um, because the new songs come and go so quickly, nobody memorizes the words. But the old songs we sing over a period of decades, and so the words become engraved in our minds. Now, as you said, one of the great hymns was by Thomas Chisholm, 
Great is thy faithfulness, Lord God, uh, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. And I've wept too when I've sang this. It's it's beautiful. Uh, it came out of Chisholm's own study of Lamentations chapter 3. And the real story of this hymn doesn't belong to Chisholm. He didn't have any great crisis that provoked him to, to write this. He had been studying Lamentations 3. And Lamentations 3 is the story of the worst day in Jeremiah's life. Now, if we were to ask the audience, what is the worst day so far of your life? Very many people could say so. You know, it's the day when I had this tragedy or the day when I was diagnosed or the day when my marriage fell apart. Uh, for Jeremiah, it was the day when everything around him literally came crumbling down uh, like uh, like we're seeing in, in Ukraine as the Babylonians sure. destroyed his city, his his loved ones. And he wrote these lamentations just so sad. But in the middle of them, he said, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now, that's what we were talking about earlier, the ability to call to mind certain things, and that gives us hope. He said, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And as Chisholm studied that passage, then the words began coming to him. He was a traveling evangelist. So he would sing, you know, back then um, in the uh, early part of the 20th century, there were singing evangelists and they would go and do concerts and preach and they had a, they lived on the road. And so he developed uh, this song on the road and it came out of his study of Lamentations, the book of Lamentations, Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, to me. And it's one of those several hymns, Ed, that we just cannot afford to lose. No, for sure, for sure. Powerfully, powerfully sung. I mean, I don't know a congregation that doesn't just go at that song. And and I think it's kind of a, you know, it, it's a reminder. I mean, when I when I sing it out, I'm not just singing it out the words because they need volume. I'm singing it out because I'm saying it to be true. I'm 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 announcing it through the the words because we believe that God is faithful. So and we say that phrase. What does it mean when we say God is faithful? How does that does that even resonate with us? What do those words mean? Yes, that's a very good question. Faithfulness is an attribute or a quality of God. And just to put it very simply, it is his absolute commitment with all of his integrity and authority to fulfill every syllable of every word of every promise that he has made in the Bible. And the Bible is, as you said, is filled with promises uh, we can make our own promise books as we go through the Bible, just saying, oh, here's a wonderful promise. Now, I think that we have to make sure that we are reading it in context. But we pull out these promises, and they are real. I mean, God reassures us with things that he guarantees to us. The promises are given by God, and they are guaranteed by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God's faithfulness is his utter, absolute commitment to keep every detail of every one of those promises without fail. Joshua said at the end of his life to the Israelites, 
look back and you will see that not one word of all of the promises that he gave you has failed. They have all been fulfilled. So that's what we mean when we talk about the faithfulness of God. The certainty of his faithfulness. And yet we know Jesus anchors this, right? This is, uh, well, how, how, does Jesus, how does Jesus factor into God's faithfulness? Well, there's a wonderful passage in uh, Corinthians that says that all of the promises of God are yes. Jesus says yes, and we say amen. So when God makes a promise, we find it. Jesus says, yes, that promise is true. I've guaranteed it by my resurrection. And we say, amen, and we claim it. Uh, It's really Trinitarian. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit within us directs us to and helps us to understand the significance of the promise. So God the Father makes the promise. Jesus Christ ratified them by his resurrection, and the Holy Spirit comes and helps us to find them and to claim them and to remember them. And he makes them real to us in the middle of a crisis. It's not just something that we have. It's not just a mental discipline like positive thinking. Uh, there, there is some certainly some diligence on our part, but it is the Holy Spirit taking these words and using them to give us peace. This is, yeah, it's a talking. Trinitarian operation, Ed, in our yeah. lives. Love it, love it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in this faithfulness conversation. So key for us. We're talking to Robert Morgan. He's the teaching pastor at Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville. Going to continue our conversation with him and continue our conversation, hopefully encouraging you about his new book and God's faithfulness, Great Is Thy Faithfulness. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. Hey, we're back. Um, Ed Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer. I have the privilege of serving at uh, Wheaton College. I'm a dean and professor there. I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Uh, Robert and I were just talking uh, offline that that he's actually a graduate of the program that I have the privilege of serving over as dean. It's all it's changed over the years and the names and things of that sort, but super fun to, to make that connection as well. Um, Robert's my guest, but let me mention to you that we're not doing calls today because this is a pre-recorded episode. It's a pre-recorded awesome episode, though. I hope you've been encouraged so far by uh, by Robert's good insights on God's faithfulness and more. He's the teaching pastor at the Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville. Um, he served for over 40 years, but he's like a best-selling author, over 5 million copies in circulation, multiple languages, and more. So we're having a specific conversation about his new book, Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Uh, the subtitle is 52 Reasons to Trust God When Hope Feels Lost. And it does seem to me, Robert, I mean, obviously, we when we see 52 or someone writes 365, we know what they're doing. They're following a pattern that we can follow. But Boy, I mean, every week we seem to need a reminder of God's faithfulness, maybe more so. Tell us a little bit about the structure of the book itself so people get a picture of that. Well, Ed, I'm so pleased with my publisher, Thomas Nelson. Uh, I've been with them for many, many years. Uh, In fact, there's not been a time for the last uh, 30 years, I think, but what, I don't have a book coming out from Nelson or, or one that's in print there. But they really bent over backwards with this book to make it beautiful, the cover uh, is colorful and, and embossed. It's got a ribbon in it. It's got a, a page where you can uh, sign if you're giving it to somebody. It's, it's designed to uh, 
to be given. So it's a lovely gift for graduates or for someone who, well, for, for anybody, really, for anybody who may need a, an encouraging word. But I went through the Bible and found narrowly 100 Bible verses that explicitly referred to God's faithfulness. And I chose 52 of those. And then I did a deep dive. I'm, I'm a Bible teacher, so I want to make sure that what I say is, is exegetically sound. There's an awfully lot of uh, shallow uh, Christian material out there. And yep. it's, it's just the, the shallowing of the American church is something that I'm just crusading against right now. And I wanted Good. to make sure that there, was, that there was depth here, but yet that it wasn't academic, that it had stories and illustrations and, and practical thoughts. So I studied each one of these 52 verses. We did about a four-page spread on each one of them. And uh, so people could read uh, this every Sunday for a year, uh, or they could read it for 52 days, you know, or they could just read it the way that they want to. But it's designed uh, to give you uh, encouragement, sound scriptural, exegetical encouragement with stories and illustrations and units that you can read in maybe four, four minutes or maybe five minutes or so. So, so that's the way the book is structured and laid out. And I have to credit my publisher for, for doing it so beautifully. Oh, they do good work. They do good work. So the book comes out in late 2021. And so timing-wise, I'm guessing you were writing this, or maybe you can tell me, near the beginning of the pandemic or in and around that time. How did that shape some of what you were thinking and putting through? Because a lot of people, this was a real spiritual struggle for them. And, you know, where was God in some of the challenges at the beginning of those sorts of things? Give us a little timeline on how it impacted your writing. Yeah, well, the, the much bigger impact for me, uh, Ed, is uh, I was beginning to think about this when my wife's multiple sclerosis was getting yeah. worse. Now, she was yeah. diagnosed 25 years ago, and um, and we just continued pastoring. We traveled all we could. Katrina was vivacious. Uh, she was just wonderful. I wish you could have known her. Um, yeah. And then she began uh, failing um, in 2018, uh, one day I rushed her to the emergency room here in Nashville at Vanderbilt. Uh, they said that she's, she's not going to live, call the girls in. We have three daughters that live here in Nashville. They got there, but she was already unconscious and they were so grieved because they wanted to say goodbye to her. And I said to the doctor in the emergency room at Vanderbilt, would you mind if we prayed, uh, together? And he said, no, would you mind if I led you in prayer? And wow. that doctor led us in the most wonderful prayer. And after he prayed, we were standing there, and suddenly Katrina's eyes opened. She looked at us. She smiled. And would you believe the Lord gave her to us for another month? And wow. we brought her home. And when she passed away, we were singing around her bed. And yeah. it was a beautiful thing. But, but the adjustment to being a, a widower I was dealing with that right as the pandemic was beginning. So it was out of that, that each one of these 52 verses about God's faithfulness was like a, a, a life preserver, you know, that just mm -hmm. kept me buoyed during that time. Uh, and, you know, we never know what's going to happen next, uh, whether it's uh, an economic collapse or, or some kind of electrical uh, breakdown of, of our 
uh, structure of our uh, uh, internet um, undergirding. Uh, you know, I worry about that all the time. I, I worry about um, what would happen, uh, you know, to my children uh, if something would happen. But, you know, we just, we have a lot of worries in this yeah. life. That, that there, here's the way that I put it. There are a lot of reasons to be very worried, but there yeah. are more and better reasons not to be worried if you open your Bible. And um, people who don't open their Bibles, I, I just don't know what they do. Um, yeah. But what I've done is taken 52 verses that helped me so much. Um, yeah. And and I've put them into this book. For example, Psalm 119 says, Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your Faithfulness continues through all generations. And, well, that includes my generation and my children's generation. It's not going to expire. His faithfulness mm -hmm. is never going to die out. Um, and these verses just help us a lot. We need the emotional support that comes from the specific attributes of God, including the quality of his faithfulness. Yeah. Give me a, you mentioned that you passed the verse right there and we've been doing a series at my church. Um, uh, I go to a church called High Point Church where I serve as teaching pastor and we're looking at life verses and, you know, somebody we kind of have multiple teaching pastors and so sort of a sign. So I, I'm, I'm doing um, Jeremiah, uh, you know, 29, 11 through 13, you know, I know the plans I have for you and more. So it's, what's interesting to me, Robert, is how people like people just come and they're like, that's my verse. And this is a promise I'm standing on. And this is, I mean, and we, we, we both know the whole Bible's inerrant inspired. Um, and yet it seems that sometimes these things just speak to people in powerful ways and become, you know, part of the way they think about their own spiritual journey. So what are some other verses in among the 52, just share us maybe two or three more that would maybe be reminders to people of God's faithfulness in this time. Well, let me give you uh, my life verse. I don't, yeah. and I'll have to say, I don't really have a life verse, but if I did, uh, and it's <laughs> not in this book, it's not in this yeah. book, it's in another book that I wrote. But when I was, uh, when I'd first given my life to the Lord, um, sophomore in college, that was when the big green backed living Bible from Ken Taylor came out. Yeah, and sure. Psalm, Psalm 139, 16 says, you saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. And I remember sitting at my little desk in the dormitory room, reading that and being absolutely astounded that every day of my life was pre-scheduled by the Lord. Mm -hmm. And my biggest job was just to do what he wanted me to do every day. And yeah. I've never, I almost instantly memorized that verse. And recently, a similar verse has come to me so strongly from Acts chapter 20. Life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's mercy. And, um, and you know, verses like that that come to you and you know the Lord is just giving you that verse, you know, that's very, very, those are very powerful verses, and we ought to remember them and keep them near. Now, in terms of uh, God's faithfulness, 
one verse that I guess we've all gone to very often in times of failure is First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So God is faithful when it comes to his forgiveness. And it's like I said earlier, I, I'm still astounded by the Martin Lloyd-Jones quote that if you ever look back at anything in your life with a sense of regret, you don't understand the true power of the blood of Christ. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Yeah, such good conversation. And we're going to, we have one more segment with, uh, with talking about great, God's great faithfulness. We're here with Robert Morgan. Uh, as I mentioned, we're not taking calls because we pre-recorded this. And but what a what a rich conversation we're having today as well. So, I want to invite you to stay with us, continue to listen. I'm going to ask Robert to go through a couple more of these verses, and also ask how do we how do we reach out to the Lord in the midst of our struggle when we're unsure of His presence and His peace. Stay with us. We continue our conversation. Hey, we're back. Our final segment, Ed Stetzer Live, and we're here with Robert Morgan, just having a, a rich conversation about God's faithfulness. He has written a book called Great Is Thy Faithfulness, 52 Reasons to Trust God When Hope Feels Lost. And I, and I, I think my hope, Robert, is, is that for some people, they have really listened today and they have felt at the end of their proverbial rope. They're uncertain what the future holds. Maybe um, maybe the world around them just seems like it's on fire and divided and broken. Or maybe they're just, you know, just as you shared your own journey with your with the loss of your wife and the struggle that you walk through this and the birth was some ways the book was some way birthed from this. So if people are sort of at that place, again, the subtitle of the book is 52 Reasons to Trust God When Hope Feels Lost. And people are listening right now saying, my, my hope feels lost. What, what would you point them to? What counsel, encouragement from the Word of God would you give them? I would tell them to open their Bible to a passage that maybe doesn't seem too daunting to them. They can open to the book of Psalms or to one of the simple letters like Philippians and say, Dear Lord, I need for you to speak to me through one of these verses. And if they'll take their pencil and begin marking and underlining and circling, then God will be faithful to give them some verse that they can write down on post-it notes, put on their dashboard, put on their shaving mirror, uh, say it out loud until they just learn it. You know, I'm not doing, I don't want to use the word memorize. We just, we just come to learn it as we keep repeating verses on the outside uh, and, and keep it available. A lady told me the other day, she said, when I do my, uh, when I wash the dishes, I have a window and there is a curtain around the window. And she said, if you could see that curtain, there are probably 50 different Bible verses on index cards put on there with pins. Um, and she said, I just look at that while I'm washing the dishes. And those are verses God has given me. You know, the, the other day uh, I was visiting with uh, T.W. Wilson's daughter, you know, who was Dr. Graham's <laughs> associate. And, uh, and guys, I guys have in, interrupt. I, I go to I go to work every day to the T.W. Wilson suite. So I literally like that <laughs> name is on the door. So, yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I walked I walked in his daughter Sally's uh, kitchen and I have never seen so many magnets on a refrigerator in my life. I mean, the sides 
and the front were covered from the very top to the very bottom with little magnets. Uh, and, and I said, Sally, what in the world are all of these? She said, they are all different Bible verses that I've collected. She said, when I'm too discouraged to read my Bible, I stand here and read my refrigerator. Wow. And I was just delighted with that. So we, we just have to find a way of keeping those verses visually in front of us. And, um, and then a book like Great is Thy Faithfulness uh, will take some of those verses and, and break them down and give insights and illustrations and practical helps. And Ed, I hope that's what this book does, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Well, uh, I hope it will introduce people to 52. Now, there's 31,000 verses in the Bible, but these 52 are devoted to the subject of God's faithfulness. And I think it encourages us as we learn to hide God's word in our minds and in our hearts. Yeah, and one of the things that you point to in the book is is sort of our understanding, our, our framework, our conception of God uh, seems to be in some ways our most important aspect of the way we think, of our mental framework. Unpack that a little bit more, how that relates to the way we make it through our day and more. Well, this is what Tozer says. His great contribution was that the way we think about God is the most important thing about us, um, that we tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. Uh, years ago, I met a, a missionary named Arthur Matthews. He was the last, he and his wife were the last missionaries to escape China after the communist takeover. And they were in tremendous danger. The whole world uh, was holding its breath to see if he could get out of China. Uh, but while they were trapped in there, you know, they, they called the communist uh, Chinese, the bamboo curtain, the way that the Soviet Union had the iron curtain. They said the bamboo curtain fell down around China. But Arthur and Wilda found Psalm 91, verse 4, that says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield. And they said, well, we may be behind the bamboo curtain, but we are under God's feather curtain. And they claimed that verse, Psalm 91, verse 4, and they hung on to it, and it sustained them until they got pulled out of China. And one of the great miracles of the 20th century is the way all of the CIM missionaries made it from China without a single fatality, but they were the last ones. But it was this specific verse about God's feathers, his wings, and his mm -hmm. faithfulness being their shield that sustained them. And the Lord has, for every problem that we face, God has a promise. Now, the promises will stay. The problems will eventually resolve themselves. No problem is eternal. But the promises are. So after the promises come and go, we still have the promises. After the problems come and go, we still have the promises to hang on to and to remember. So when you get up my age in life, you've got a rich collection of them, and they mean all of the world to us. You know, it's it's interesting because people seem to have a um, a deep affection and appreciation for the promises of God. And then sometimes people have a concern that maybe they're misused. Um, 
um, I'm going to name this and I'm going to claim this. And if it's, you know, God's promise to me, you know, personally, not necessarily from scripture, but maybe even sometimes taking a scripture verse and using it in a way that maybe wasn't intended by the original author or the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So how do we rejoice in the promises of God without falling prey to abusing or misunderstanding the promises of God? It helps if we read the Bible as it's written. Like I said earlier, I'm reading right now through Isaiah. Uh, I finished chapter 66, and I was so intrigued, I'm going back to chapter 1 and reading through it again. When we study the Bible expositionally, and when we preach the Bible expositionally, and by that I mean just going through passages as they occur, then we are unpacking God's logic the way he has put it into the Word of God. Uh, The the Bible isn't made up of 31,000 verses like pieces of confetti that he just threw out of heaven, and we can grab one here and grab one there. It is unified and put together in 66 books with context. And as we read through uh, Philippians, or as we preach through Philippians, or teach through it in a consecutive way, then we'll be more likely to train our minds to interpret the promises correctly and not to abuse them. So I am, yeah, I'm scared of just taking promises out of thin air. But when you read the Bible and you understand the context, then that helps make a lot of sense. Good, Robert, got about a minute left. Would you just encourage people to lean and trust in those promises in the minute we have left? Yes, so as my wife passed away, I whispered down and said, I will, meet you at the Crystal River, we'll take a walk through New Jerusalem. And that meant a lot to me because the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22 verse 6 says, these words are faithful and true. And it's about New Jerusalem. It's also about all of the words of the Bible. So when you go to scripture, you can always know that it ends with that affirmation. These words are faithful and true because great is his faithfulness. So great. Thank you for our guest, Robert Morgan, teaching pastor at Donaldson Fellowship, author with over 5 million copies of his books in circulation around the world. Let me say thanks, too, to our behind-the-scenes team here at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, engineer, Ryan McConaughey, all working hard to make this happen. To hear today's program again and all of our programs, go to edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. You can also connect with us through social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Ed Stetzer Live. And again, thanks for listening to this program. Hopefully you were encouraged. I was encouraged and I hope you were as well. Remember that Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, which itself is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. And we deeply appreciate you listening and engaging with these each and every, each and every Saturday. Thanks so much.